So I'd like to welcome all of us here this evening to the second in the series of Thursday evening classes that we're calling The Wings of Awakening. So some of you were here last week. I'm looking around the room. I think I see some little wings sprouting, maybe, I hope, as the awakening process takes hold. Maybe that's a little too new agey. I don't know if you really get wings in the Buddhist world or not. But in any event, tonight we're going to focus in on what is known as the Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And as part of the teaching, I'm going to guide the sitting. I did this on Tuesday and didn't record it, and a special request was made to record it tonight as well. So the recording, the talk, and the instructions will be recorded. So we'll um, have a sitting with some guidance for a good part of it, not all of it, some of it will be completely silent. And then um, we'll have some conversation together, some of it yours and some of it mine. So as we begin, as always, I'd like to invite you to reflect for a moment on your intention for being here. Whatever it is that brought you back. I look around the room, some of us have been sitting together for a long, long time on Thursday nights. 10, 15 years, maybe even longer. Longer for me, for sure. So something brings us back over and over again, and if not to this particular Room. Many of you have been sitting for a long time and have come back to the cushion over and over again. So what is it that brings you back? What is that yearning? What is the intention behind your practice? Using that intention as a way to support your continuing to come back. That intention to wake up, the intention to suffer at least less, if not entirely, not at all. And then it's not hard to see that not only do we suffer individually, but we live in a world that has lots of suffering in it. And that when there are people of presence that that the suffering is alleviated. It helps to have people who know how to be fully present. It's helpful for our own suffering to be present. And it's helpful for the suffering of others. So we don't practice just for ourselves. We do it also so that we can contribute and move toward the ending of suffering for all beings. So please then offer your sitting, not only for the ending of your own suffering, but also for that of all beings.
So as we begin, it's very helpful if you're going to be mindful to know that you are here. To take a moment and just anchor yourself here. Noticing all of the small events that may be around you. There might be events of sound, traffic noises and voices from outside, the sound of my own voice, little coughings and rustlings in this room. Might be the feel of the air as it moves across your face. It might be the awareness of your breathing or the pressure of your butt on the cushion or the chair. It might be that there's a lot going on in the mind and the heart. Leftover bits from your day, memories and thoughts and images, emotions, All of these things coming and going. It's kind of amazing how much is going on actually when we stop and just notice, oh, I'm here. And in the practice of mindfulness, we're settling into being present in a way that is simply present without reacting to any particular situation. Plenty of room for a skillful response, but not that reactive place that we so often inhabit. And so the Buddha, in his instructions on mindfulness, gave us four areas that are frequently called the foundations of mindfulness. I like to think of them as like the foundations of the house, that on which you can build your mindfulness. Sometimes they're considered to be domains of mindfulness. If your attention is in one of them, then you're here. You're mindful. The first, and in many ways a hugely important foundation, is that of the body. So just notice the physical sensation of sitting as you begin. Each one of you has a particular posture for your sitting, in a chair, on a bench or a cushion, some of us kneeling, some of us with folded legs. Some of you with your hands together, some of you with your hands on your legs. Just notice 
but you are sitting. And notice that this sitting body is breathing. This is very much a foundational point of awareness of the body. The sitting, breathing body. You might notice seeing. There may be visual experiences, even if your eyes are closed. Hearing, vibration on the eardrum. Tasting and smelling. Touching. The legs as they press into the zabaton or your feet pressing on the floor. The pressure of your hands on your legs or against each other. Sensations of heat and cold and fullness and emptiness. All of the many sensations of the body. There are also, and included in the sense spaces, as the Buddha teaches them, thoughts and emotions that come and go. And for now, just notice all of these many things. Seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, mental objects, all coming and going. And, as you settle more and more, rest with the awareness of the sitting, breathing body. Most of us know how easy it is for the mind to wander off. And so when it does wander away from the body or gets lost in the story, you can notice, oh look, I was thinking, worrying, planning, and then just come back to the actual physical experience of the breath, the physical experience of the body as you sit. For many people, this is the core of their mindfulness practice. And we wouldn't really need to give a whole lot more instruction. But tonight, I want to point out a couple of other things about the other foundations. So the second foundation for your mindfulness is the awareness that your experience comes in one of three flavors. 
it might be very pleasant. The body feels good, the mind is relatively quiet, the room is still, it's pretty yummy, delicious. Or it might be really unpleasant. You hurt, you're tired, you're cranky, it wasn't a good day. You'd just as soon be home getting ready for bed, and here you are. And you're not happy. And it's unpleasant. All unpleasant. The mind is unpleasant. The body's unpleasant. Or maybe it's just neutral. It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. This seems pretty simple, and it is, and it's hugely important because it's the place where we go away. If your experience is being pleasant, what happens? You start thinking about how to get more. You start planning retreats, trips to Thailand, becoming a monk or a nun. What will you do with the cat? And pretty soon you are gone, figuring out how to have more of this pleasant experience. If it's unpleasant, the mind goes in the other direction, figuring out how to leave, how to do something else, how you're not going to do this again, whatever. And when it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant, often we go off into a sort of spacey kind of place in the mind, and we get lost. So noticing, oh, this is pleasant. Can I just be with it as it is, without grasping for more? This is not so pleasant. It's really unpleasant. Can I stay with it anyway? Learn how to be present with unpleasant experiences. It's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It's neutral. Can I find out what neutral is like when I'm not being pushed and pulled by desire and aversion? It's actually a very useful experiment. So every now and then, as you sit, it can be helpful to notice the pleasantness and unpleasantness of your experience. The third of the foundations of mindfulness is to notice the nature of your mind. This is particularly helpful, of course, when the mind is contracted or aversive in some way or filled with desire or very agitated. Being able to notice the nature of the mind helps us to stay with it and work with it skillfully. Is the mind spacious and calm and still? Or is it agitated and restless? 
There's a leaning out into tomorrow or later tonight or some other form of becoming. Simply being aware of what that ground of mind is like in this moment. And then the last of the foundations is the foundation that's called the Dhammas. It's the insights, really. It's the things you begin to see, beginning with the hindrances, the things that block your awakening. Desire and aversion and restlessness and sleepiness and doubt. And then the lists of the things that are basic to our experience, the aggregates and the sense doors. And then the list of factors of awakening, and last of all, the noble truths, seeing our suffering, seeing what causes it, and beginning to understand how to let go of it. places, body, feeling, mind, the dharmas, can be a foundation of mindfulness. To keep your practice simple, stay primarily with the sitting, breathing body, coming back when you wander off and giving some attention to the feeling tone and to the state of your mind. Just noticing now and then. Oh, no wonder, my mind is really restless and cranky. And then settling back into the breath and the body. it simple, stay here, and stay here knowing that you are here. Giving your attention to the different aspects of your experience in this moment. So I'm happy to see so many of us here again this week. And before I begin, for those of you who weren't here last week, I just want to mention my friend Dan Landry, who's right over here. (laughs) 
is assisting me in <coughs> teaching this ongoing series. And so actually for the next couple of weeks you'll be hearing from him while I'm doing grandma duty in Texas. So um, I'm not sure which will be more fun, actually. But we'll Y'all come. Y'all come. Y'all come and find out, right? So I wanted to say, I want to pick up a thread first from last week, which we talked a bit last week about holding this entire endeavor of looking at these lists with some degree of heart. That it's very easy to take a list, especially a list of lists, the foundations of mindfulness and the four wise efforts and the four powers and you know the five spiritual faculties and the seven factors of awakening and pretty soon it's kind of, whoa, and it's so easy to get critical and judgmental and to wonder if your practice is even measuring up. And I was reflecting on this just a little bit at the end of the set and remembering that this, there's a wonderful instruction for practice and um, that invites us to start in period of practice by reflecting on something, some aspect of happiness. Might be that your happiness to be here, to be able to practice. Um, and that that place of kind of softening and ease and happiness and willingness to experiment with practice so much better supports the deepening of your practice than going into it with that kind of John Wayne, I'm going to get this or die, you know, and that kind of tough stance often just leads to more suffering, usually I suppose because we're pretty attached. If, you know, if you've got to get it, then you're pretty attached and then when you don't get it. So I, I thought, we're thinking at the end, I I'd like to invite you all to just look, look back at, over that 45 minutes of sitting and just hold yourself with some kindness. You know, some of you may have some thoughts about the sitting that you just had. How many of you think you had a really good sitting? One. One. Two. Three. Okay. But, you know, there's a lot of you saying, yeah, right. And, and then it probably goes downhill from there, right? And it's so easy to go, oh, you know, blew it again. And you know, the wonderful thing is, you're all here. You all sat down at the beginning. We all did this together for 45 minutes. Nobody leaped up and went screaming out of the room. You made it through to the end. And I used to think that was a small thing. And as my years of practice have gone by and I've come to see how it has in fact served me, one of the ways it has served me is to learn that I can sit there for 45 minutes in the insanity that is sometimes my mind and heart and make it through to the end and it's okay. And I don't even have to call it a bad sitting. In fact, maybe it's just fine that you did that. So I would invite you all to bring a little kindness into your own mind and heart about the sitting that you just had. The Buddha talks about mindfulness as being a very direct path to awakening. It's not the only path. It's not one of these things like this is the path, only one, nothing else. But it's a direct path to awakening. 
And if you think about it, that makes sense, right? Because mindfulness is all about being present and knowing that you are present. And the Buddha invites us to do this in a way where we are diligent in our practice, where we really work at it. And next week we'll be talking about energy and effort. And um, where we do our best to see very, very clearly what exactly is going on in the very present moment. And that we do this in a way that's free from restlessness and discontent, that we're really willing and have some degree at ease to be here. And so given those factors, and he says there are these four areas that we give our attention to. The area of the body and all of its different aspects. And some of you, how many people here have done Bob's 32 parts of the body class? Yeah, a number of you. So that's one of the the lists of of the actual um, anatomy of the body that you can work with. You can work with the breath. There's a lot in the Satipatthana Sutta about the breath. You can work with the sense spaces, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, and mental objects. All of this is about being here in the body. In my own life, I've been doing a little bit of work trying to pay some better attention to posture. And I've been reflecting on a teaching that Jack Cornfield used to like to give that came from James Joyce, which was about how Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body and in Ulysses. And I think so many of us live, sometimes it's even not such a short distance from our body, sometimes it's a great distance from our body. We're just not there. And this, this foundation of mindfulness is really inviting you to be fully in your body. So those of you, for example, who come here early and do Qigong before you come to sit, that's one way to develop more mindfulness of the body. Some of you have practices of yoga, other body practices that really teach us about being here, aware of the body in all of its many aspects. The second of the foundations is the one that I think is is hugely valuable and so easy to slide over. And it is slid over often in a lot of instructions. And that is that foundation of then, as you have all these experiences, noticing their feeling tone. The Pali word is Vedana. And it has to do with its pleasantness and unpleasantness. And actually in the teaching on the chain of dependent origination, which is about how suffering arises and continues to go around, catching that place of the pleasantness and unpleasantness is the place to break into that chain. Isn't that interesting? And, and we so slide over it, because, but it's the place where grasping and aversion arise so quickly. You know, wanting more of the pleasant, pushing away the unpleasant, or just getting lost because it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And then we're not here. And so it seems very small, and it's actually a very, very interesting one to track, not only in your sitting practice, but also in your everyday life practice, to begin to see how it is that we create a lot of suffering and we are not present when 
something is particularly difficult and we push it away, or something is particularly yummy and we really try to go after it and we just keep grabbing on and grabbing on and grabbing on. My monk friends have a saying that has been also hugely helpful, and this is about the third of the foundations. And they like to say, watch your mind, the way, sort of the way your mother used to say, watch your mouth. And, you know, when I first heard it, I thought, watch your mind, you know, what are they saying? But it's that place then of beginning to notice what's the flavor of the mind? Because when the mind is caught in a particular contraction or restlessness and we don't see it, then often there's a lot that goes on around that that can get quite um, difficult very fast. An example is that often people come in, um, particularly in retreat practice, and they'll be talking about how restless their mind is and they can't get settled and it's always going away and and, you know, they're just, oh, no matter how hard they try, sitting after sitting. And often, I will say, well, if you, if you were to sort of peel back all that restlessness and, you know, kind of like this and look under to see what's underneath, what would you find? And then I would guess probably nine out of ten people say, oh, I'm kind of anxious, or I'm afraid, or I'm angry. It's usually one of the aversive states. And so the mind is in this aversion place and the thinking is just, you know, shooting this way and that around that aversion. And because the aversion is not being seen, the mind doesn't settle. And there's a very interesting place when you begin to go, oh, I'm anxious. I'm just anxious. And it's almost like picking up a child that's having a tantrum, you know, and you pick up the child having the tantrum and you put your arms around them and sometimes you can just feel their little bodies kind of <sighs> relaxed, you know? And it's like, at last, somebody's holding me and the mind kind of does the same thing. Sort of, at last, somebody sees that I'm angry or restless or upset in some way and then the mind can begin to settle and you can begin to work with it and to calm down. So these are very workable dimensions of mindfulness, this, um, these four foundations. The fourth is the one that is, as I said in the instructions, it's the place of insights, it's the things you begin to see, it's the hindrances, it's the aggregates that make up our experience of body and feeling and perception and <coughs> mental objects and consciousness and the, it's the six sense spaces and, and so you begin to see how all of this works together. So I'm going to stop there and see if there's questions and then we'll go on to whatever next. But I, I want to have space for some questions or comments about your set or something I've said that you don't understand. Please. Uh, just a little more clarification on the fourth one. On the fourth one. It's called the Dhammas, or the Dharmas, and it's, it's the foundation that's made up, in, in a sense, we're doing a list of lists, this foundation is also a list of lists. 
So it's the it's the foundation that has the hindrances, the five hindrances: desire, aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, doubt. It has this the five aggregates of form and feeling. That's the same feeling we've just been talking about: perception, mental objects, and consciousness. It's got the six sense bases: seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. Mental objects again. It's got um, the seven factors of enlightenment and the four noble truths. So these are the things that you begin to see and have insight into. And an insight can be a foundation of mindfulness as long as you don't get lost in your excitement about having an insight. If you go, oh, I'm having an insight. This is wonderful. Now I'm there. Pretty soon, guess what? You know, you're gone again, and then you're not there. Bad news. So. You know, beginning to see something that actually we all want it, and it's a very tricky place in practice. Does that help? Yeah. Anything you want to add? Sure. (laughs) I'm looking at putting you on the spot. Please. So you're talking about um, there's pleasant states and states that are unpleasant, but the one that I find is more tricky is neutral. Neutral is tricky, yeah. So is that like a sense of um, disinterest, or is it, I mean... No, it's it's not disinterest, (coughs) it's just that there are experiences that are neither unpleasant, the the description actually in the text is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, and it often gets translated as neutral. So it's, it's, it's just somewhere in between. It's not, it's not really strongly pleasant. There aren't so many of them, but there are some. And, and the, th- the thing that's interesting is we can get spacey, but it's also a very good place to practice because you're not so being pulled by either wanting something or pushing something away. It's just... And the other thing to say, because I thought maybe this was what you were going to ask when you started, is that not all experiences stay the same. Like you can start hearing, you know, and you can hear, and you go, oh, that's pleasant. But then the sound keeps going, and then you go, I'm not so sure about this sound, and after a while, it's not a pleasant sound, it's an unpleasant sound. And so the feeling tone actually shifts, even with the same physical experience. So as we're sitting, and we're following our breath, and we're noting the feeling tones, is it simply that, is that something, I don't do this a lot when I'm sitting, so um, so I've, I've sometimes done it, but mm-hmm. we, would, we would say pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, at, as a way... Um, Just to check in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't, you could follow it consistently for a while, or you could just every now and then kind of go, oh, this is pleasant, or this is unpleasant. Or if you begin to notice that place where you're starting to lean out, you can, you might check in. Oh, this was a really pleasant experience. Let's see if I can just stay with it. We were talking on Tuesday. I mean, how many times? So I'm going to carry this a little bit now into everyday life. How many times have you sat over a perfectly lovely meal with friends, and you're busy talking about your lovely meal and about how you could have more lovely meals? And pretty soon you're not even paying attention to your lovely meal, right? Or you're, I mean, we get this on retreats all the time. People are 
busy planning their next retreat because they're having so much fun at the current one or the next vacation because the beach is so nice today or whatever. And so we, we deny ourselves even our most pleasant experiences. We don't take the time to just go, wow, you know, this bite of key lime pie (laughs) is so divine. And to really, really taste it. You know, we're usually on to the next thing so fast. Likewise, when it's difficult, we often check out. And early on in my practice, I remember going to a retreat with Stephen Levine, who could sometimes be very ferocious. And he said, Someday, you just might be strapped to a gurney. And something really bad is going to be going on with your body. And it's going to be really unpleasant. And if you don't learn how to be with unpleasant now, how are you going to be able to do that then? You know? And it was such a good teaching. So I hope you'll all carry it on into the next... Because it's true. We don't know. And it's not that there's any... um, It's not like it's, it's a desirable thing to have to lie there and be with unpleasant. But if you can't be there and begin to sort out, okay, what's the skillful thing to do here? What's the... What's the most, where is the place, here's the question really, where is the place of freedom in this unpleasant moment? Then, if, you, if, you don't, if we don't practice that a little, how are we going to do it when the rubber hits the road? You know, It's a very, very important place. Just beginning to see that, oh, it's unpleasant, I'm not liking it, it doesn't feel good, I'm not in any danger. Let's see if I can sit with it. Unpleasant. Unpleasant. Now maybe it's itching. Itching is a really good one, actually. I mean, most of us don't like itching. But it happens. It happens a lot. I mean, itching, itching. You know, can you just sit there and let it be an unpleasant sensation, not have to do anything about it? So that means you don't get to scratch. You just get to sit with the unpleasant. And you're, it's a practice that allows us then, in unpleasant situations in our lives, to stay there more fully and with more presence. Yeah? Okay. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to do a little exercise again tonight. So I'm happy to see so many of us here again this week. And before I begin, for those of you who weren't here last week, I just want to mention my friend Dan Landry, who's right over here, (laughs) is assisting me in teaching this ongoing series. And so actually for the next couple of weeks you'll be hearing from him while I'm doing grandma duty in Texas. So uh, I'm not sure which will be more fun, actually. but Don't come. Y'all come. Y'all come and find out, right? So, I wanted to say, I want to pick up a thread first from last week, which we talked about last week, about holding this entire endeavor of looking at these lists with some degree of heart. 
that it's very easy to take a list, especially a list of lists, the foundations of mindfulness and the four wise efforts and the four powers and you know, the five spiritual faculties and the seven factors of awakening and pretty soon it's kind of, whoa, and it's so easy to get critical and judgmental and to wonder if your practice is even measuring up. And I was reflecting on this just a little bit at the end of the set and remembering that there's, there's a wonderful instruction for practice and um, that invites us to start in period of practice by reflecting on something, some aspect of happiness. Might be that your happiness to be here, to be able to practice. Um, and that that place of kind of softening and ease and happiness and willingness to experiment with practice so much better supports the deepening of your practice than going into it with that kind of John Wayne, I'm going to get this or die, you know, and that kind of tough stance often just leads to more suffering, usually I suppose because we're pretty attached. If, you know, if you've got to get it, then you're pretty attached and then when you don't get it. So I, I thought, you're thinking at the end, I I'd like to invite you all to just look back over that 45 minutes of sitting and just hold yourself with some kindness. You know, some of you may have some thoughts about the sitting that you just had. How many of you think you had a really good sitting? One. One. Two. Three. Okay. But, you know, there's a lot of us here. Yeah. Right. And, and then it probably goes downhill from there, right? And it's so easy to go, oh, you know, blew it again. And you know, the wonderful thing is, you're all here. You all sat down at the beginning. We all did this together for 45 minutes. Nobody leaped up and went screaming out of the room. You made it through to the end. And I used to think that was a small thing. And as the, my years of practice have gone by and I've come to see how it has in fact served me, one of the ways it has served me is to learn that I can sit there for 45 minutes in the insanity that is sometimes my mind and heart and make it through to the end and it's okay. And I don't even have to call it a bad sitting. In fact, maybe it's just fine that you did that. So I would invite you all to bring a little kindness into your own mind and heart about the sitting that you just had. The Buddha talks about mindfulness as being a very direct path to awakening. It's not the only path. It's not one of these things like this is the path, only one, nothing else. But it's a direct path to awakening. And if you think about it, that makes sense, right? Because Mindfulness is all about being present and knowing that you are present. And the Buddha invites us to do this in a way where we are diligent in our practice, where we really work at it. And next week we'll be talking about energy and effort. And um, where we do our best to see very, very clearly what exactly is going on in the very present moment. And that we do this in a way that's 
free from restlessness and discontent, that we're really willing and have some degree at ease to be here. And so given those factors, then he says there are these four areas that we give our attention to. The area of the body and all of its different aspects. And some of you, how many people here have done Bob's 32 parts of the body class? Yeah, a number of you. So that's one of the, the lists of, of the actual um, anatomy of the body that you can work with. You can work with the breath. There's a lot in the Satipatthana Sutta about the breath. You can work with the sense spaces, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling, and mental objects. All of this is about being here in the body. In my own life, I've been doing a little bit of work trying to pay some better attention to posture. And I've been reflecting on a teaching that Jack Cornfield used to like to give that came from James Joyce, which was about how Mr. Duffy lived a short distance from his body and in Ulysses. And I think so many of us live, sometimes it's even not such a short distance from our body, sometimes it's a great distance from our body. We're just not there. And this, this foundation of mindfulness is really inviting you to be fully in your body. So those of you, for example, who come here early and do Qigong before you come to sit, that's one way to develop more mindfulness of the body. Some of you have practices of yoga, other body practices that really teach us about being here, aware of the body in all of its many aspects. The second of the foundations is the one that I think is is hugely valuable and so easy to slide over. And it is slid over often in a lot of instructions. And that is that foundation of then, as you have all these experiences, noticing their feeling tone. The Pali word is Vedana. And it has to do with its pleasantness and unpleasantness. And actually in the teaching on the chain of dependent origination, which is about how suffering arises and continues to go around, catching that place of the pleasantness and unpleasantness is the place to break into that chain. Isn't that interesting? And, and we so slide over it, because, but it's the place where grasping and aversion arise so quickly. You know, wanting more of the pleasant, pushing away the unpleasant, or just getting lost because it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And then we're not here. And so it seems very small, and it's actually a very, very interesting one to track, not only in your sitting practice, but also in your everyday life practice, to begin to see how it is that we create a lot of suffering and we are not present when something is particularly difficult and we push it away, or something is particularly yummy and we really try to go after it and we just keep grabbing on and grabbing on and grabbing on. My monk friends have a saying that has been also hugely helpful, and this is about the third of the foundations. And they like to say, Watch your mind, the way, sort of the way your mother used to say, watch your mouth. And 
You know, when I first heard it, I thought, watch your mind, you know, what are they saying? But it's that place then of beginning to notice what's the flavor of the mind? Because when the mind is caught in a particular contraction or restlessness and we don't see it, then often there's a lot that goes on around that that can get quite um, difficult very fast. An example is that often people come in, um, particularly in retreat practice, and they'll be talking about how restless their mind is and they can't get settled and it's always going away and, and you know, they're just, oh, no matter how hard they try, sitting after sitting. And often I will say, well, if you, if you were to sort of peel back all that restlessness and, you know, kind of like this and look under to see what's underneath, what would you find? And then I would guess probably nine out of ten people say, oh, I'm kind of anxious, or I'm afraid, or I'm angry. It's usually one of the aversive states. And so the mind is in this aversion place, and the thinking is just, you know, shooting this way and that around that aversion. And because the aversion is not being seen, the mind doesn't settle. And there's a very interesting place when you begin to go, oh, I'm anxious. I'm just anxious. And it's almost like picking up a child that's having a tantrum, you know? And you pick up the child having the tantrum and you put your arms around them and sometimes you can just feel their little bodies kind of <sighs> relaxed, you know? And it's like, at last, somebody's holding me and the mind kind of does the same thing. Sort of, at last, somebody sees that I'm angry or restless or upset in some way and then the mind can begin to settle and you can begin to work with it and to calm down. So these are very workable dimensions of mindfulness, this, um, these four foundations. The fourth is the one that is, as I said in the instructions, it's the place of insights, it's the things you begin to see, it's the hindrances, it's the aggregates, the make up our experience of body and feeling and perception and mental objects and consciousness and it's the six sense spaces and and so you begin to see how all of this works together. So I'm going to stop there and see if there's questions and then we'll go on to whatever is next. But I, I want to have space for some questions or comments about your set or something I've said that you don't understand. Please. Um, just a little more clarification on the fourth one. On the fourth one. It's called the Dhammas, or the Dharmas, and it's it's the foundation that's made up, in, in a sense, we're doing a list of lists, this foundation is also a list of lists. So it's the, it's the foundation that has the hindrances, the five hindrances, Desire, aversion, sleepiness, restlessness, doubt. It has this, the five aggregates of form and feeling. That's the same feeling we've just been talking about. Perception, mental objects and consciousness. It's got the six sense bases, seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, smelling. Mental objects again. It's got um, the seven factors of enlightenment and the four noble truths. So these are the things that you begin to see and have insight into. 
And an insight can be a foundation of mindfulness as long as you don't get lost in your excitement about having an insight. If you go, oh, I'm having an insight, this is wonderful. Now I'm there, pretty soon, guess what? You know, you're gone again and then you're not there. Bad news. So, you know, beginning to see something that actually we all want it and it's a very tricky place in practice. Does that help? Yeah. Anything you want to add? Sure. <laughs> I'm looking at putting you on the spot. Please. So you're talking about um, there's pleasant states and states that are unpleasant. But the one that I find that's more tricky is neutral. Neutral is tricky, yeah. So is that like a sense of... Um, Disinterest, or is it? I mean, no, it's it's not disinterest. It's just that there are experiences that are neither unpleasant. The 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 description actually in the text is neither pleasant nor unpleasant, and it often gets translated as neutral. So it's 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 just somewhere in between. It's not it's not really strongly pleasant. There aren't so many of them, but there are some. And, and the, th- the thing that's interesting is we can get spacey, but it's also a very good place to practice because you're not so being pulled by either wanting something or pushing something away. It's just... And the other thing to say, because I thought maybe this was what you were going to ask when you started, is that not all experiences stay the same. Like you can start hearing, you know, and you can hear, and you go, oh, that's pleasant. But then the sound keeps going, and then you go, I'm not so sure about this sound, and after a while, it's not a pleasant sound, it's an unpleasant sound. And so the feeling tone actually shifts, even with the same physical experience. So as we're sitting, and we're following our breath, and we're noting the feeling tones, is it simply that, is that, Something I don't do this a lot when I'm sitting, so um, so I've, I've sometimes done it. But mm-hmm. we would we would say pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, at, as a way um, just to check in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you could follow it consistently for a while, or you could just every now and then kind of go, oh, this is pleasant, or this is unpleasant, or if you begin to notice that place where you're starting to lean out, you can you might check in. Oh, this was a really pleasant experience. Let's see if I can just stay with it. We were talking on Tuesday. I mean, how many times, so I'm going to carry this a little bit now into everyday life. How many times have you sat over a perfectly lovely meal with friends and you're busy talking about your lovely meal and about how you could have more lovely meals and pretty soon you're not even paying attention to your lovely meal, right? Or you're, I mean, we get this on retreats all the time. People are busy planning their next retreat because they're having so much fun at the current one or the next vacation because the beach is so nice today or whatever. And so we, we deny ourselves even our most pleasant experiences. We don't take the time to just go, wow, you know, this bite of key lime pie <laughs> is so divine and to really really taste it you know we're usually on to the next thing so fast likewise when it's difficult 
we often check out. And early on in my practice, I remember going to a retreat with Stephen Levine, who could sometimes be very ferocious, and he said, someday you just might be strapped to a gurney and something really bad is going to be going on with your body and it's going to be really unpleasant. And if you don't learn how to be with unpleasant now, how are you going to be able to do that then? You know? And it was such a good teaching. So I hope you'll all carry it on into the next... Because it's true. We don't know. And it's not that there's any... um, it's not like it's, it's a desirable thing to have to lie there and be with unpleasant, but if you can't be there and begin to sort out, okay, what's the skillful thing to do here? What's the, what's the most, where is the place, here's the question really, where is the place of freedom in this unpleasant moment? Then if, you, if, you don't, if we don't practice that a little, how are we going to do it? When the rubber hits the road, you know, it's a very, very important place. Just beginning to see that, oh, it's unpleasant, I'm not liking it, it doesn't feel good, I'm not in any danger, let's see if I can sit with it, unpleasant, unpleasant. Now maybe it's itching. Itching is a really good one, actually. I mean, most of us don't like itching, but it happens. Happens a lot on retreat. Itching, itching. You know, can you just sit there and let it be an unpleasant sensation, not have to do anything about it? So that means you don't get to scratch. You just get to sit with the unpleasant. And it's a practice that allows us then, in unpleasant situations in our lives, to stay there more fully and with more presence. Yeah? Okay. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to do a little exercise again tonight.